This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Steve Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. If your kids have not gone back to school before today, today is the day, the official start of the school year here in the state of Michigan. As that new school year gets underway, there are lots of challenges facing students, educators, and parents, we want to hear from you. What are the things that you're thinking about as you send your kids off to school today or did so over the last few weeks? What are the things that concern you? And are you confident that we've got a con- sort of control over uh, the direction of education in this day? Are we moving forward or are we kind of spinning our wheels on a number of different issues. As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page to put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation here on air. Uh, tell us what went on in your household today on the first day of school and what went through your mind as you sent your kids out the door. And here to talk more about those challenges that are faced by school districts here in Michigan is Lori Higgins, who is Chalkbeat uh, Detroit's new bureau chief. Lori, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having me. Uh, also with us is Ron French, and he is a senior writer for Bridge Magazine. Ron, welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to be here. So I want to start with um, the money question, the big money question here in the state of Michigan for schools. So we don't have a budget agreement at the Capitol. And that means this is the first time in nine years that districts have started the school year without knowing how much they have to spend. I wonder what you're hearing from superintendents and school boards about that issue. Lori, I'll start with you. Uh, so I think we're hearing a lot of frustration right now. Um, you know, school districts had to approve their budgets by the end of May, um, or I'm sorry, the end of June. And so they had to make a lot of assumptions about what they're going to get for a state aid. And they're making assumptions based on what the governor proposed, but also based on what the Senate has approved. Um, and so they don't know where the state is going to end. And, and so right now we're beginning the year with a lot of districts that are um, sort of Holding off and making some big hiring decisions, there are, are contract negotiations that are kind of stalled because, you know, districts don't really know what they can actually negotiate, what they can offer. Um, and, and then you have, you know, districts that are just, you know, delaying big spending decisions. I think we, we had a story last week where uh, there's a district that is holding off on uh, launching a special ed program in their district. And and if if. They haven't have to do this in nine years. I mean, the, the, you can sort of presume that they're not accustomed anymore to this kind of uncertainty. Um, are, are they? Are they really? Are they really sort of scrambling to try to figure out how to do this? I don't know that they're scrambling. I think if you've been a superintendent or an administrator for a long time, you probably remember the days. I certainly remember, remember the days where things went down to the wire um, with the state negotiating a budget. Um, so it's not like this has never happened before. Um, but it, it's really frustrating for a school administrator trying to, uh, you know, launch a school year, not really knowing what they're going to get in state aid. I yeah. mean, they, they have an, an assumption that they're going to get some increase, um, but, you know, not knowing how much that's going to be is, you know, $100 is different than $400. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ron, uh, are you hearing from school districts about this this once now in a, in a nine-year uh, occurrence where we don't know exactly how much school districts are going to spend? 
Sure, and, and what they're having to do is they're spending less money um, because they, they, the last thing they, they can do financially is, is to assume that there's going to be enough money for some additional teachers for, or for expanding a program and then find out that they don't have it. So for parents, what they may see when they, when, um, when they take their kids to school today is class sizes could be a little larger because schools are a little uh, uncertain whether they can afford that extra teacher to divide classes up. There may be a program that uh, was active last year that is on hiatus for now until um, the schools know whether there's enough money. So yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of frustration, but I, I got to be honest, uh, this is something that's going to be settled within the next month or so. Uh, it's, 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 it's more, it's, it's more a emblematic of larger budget issues over the period of, of, of a number of years mm. that, that, you know that that concerns these schools. Um, I want to switch subjects just a little here and talk about this being the first year that third graders who don't pass the state's reading test are going to be held back. That's what the law says, at least. Uh, but Ron, you recently reported in Bridge that three in ten third graders last year weren't proficient in reading. So is that even possible? I mean, is, is there even a practical way? to follow this new law that says if you're not reading at grade level by third grade, you're not going any further. Well, this started as, as, as a, a well-intentioned law. I, I, I have to give the authors of this law credit that, you know, there's a lot of, of, of studies that will show that how, how um, your, your reading ability in third grade uh, sort of predicts how well you're going to do in life. Uh, and so uh, someone said, well, gosh, then we're going to make sure that every third grader can read. That sounds fine. But then they decided the way to do that is to, is to flunk kids until they can read. Um, and when this first law was first uh, uh, passed, there was fear there were going to be as many as 50,000 third graders uh, that would flunk because about 50% of third graders are not proficient readers on, on the uh, state standardized test, the MSTEP. Well, they kept scaling that back and scaling that back. Now they're saying about 5%. They, keep, uh, they, they lowered the tests, the, uh, the cut scores for who would actually be held back down to about 5%. Uh, so it, it, that's still 5,000. That's a six-fold increase over the number of kids who are held back in third grade now. Um, there, there's, there's, a, you know, there's, a, there's a great lot, a, a bit of fear about this, but also the, the uh, Michigan Department of Education has included a lot of, of, I guess, what you and I would call loopholes, where the schools and parents can find other ways to get their kids to pass on the fourth grade, even if they don't meet these, this, these reading standards. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Lori, talk about the, the context of this debate in Lansing about third grade reading, about proficiency, and about what we ought to do about it. It, it. it has seemed to unfold differently in this state than in other states. It has had a more punitive, I think, uh, tenor than in some other states. And uh, again, it, it has sort of ended in a space that seems impractical. Yeah, I think you hear a couple of arguments. One of them is that uh, in other states that have uh, done this successfully, they have invested heavily into um, early literacy and ensuring that uh, schools have the uh, capability of providing intervention and other kinds of resources to kids. Michigan did pump a lot of money into it, uh, you know, about $80 million, I believe. Um, you know, a lot of people said that just wasn't enough money. Um, the other argument you hear is that 
you know, there are a lot of school leaders who believe that holding kids back is ineffective, that it does more harm than good. And there's some research out there that backs it up. Um, and then there are some states that have walked away from the you know, punitive nature of the third grade reading laws. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guests are Lori Higgins. She is the Chalkbeat Detroit Bureau Chief. Also with us is Ron French, a senior writer at Bridge Magazine. We're talking about the beginning of yet another school year here in the state of Michigan. Today is the official first day of school for many districts, and then under the state law, this is when schools, public schools at least, are supposed to start their years. Um, there are a lot of issues facing schools and parents and teachers as the school year starts. That's what we're talking about. Uh, we want to hear from you, too. What education issues are on your mind as you send kids out the door back to school? How are things looking in your district? And are you seeing more long-term Substitute teachers, for instance, in your district, does that concern you? Do you have a third grader or a child who will soon be in third grade? And if so, does this law that requires schools to hold back third graders who fail the state's reading test concern you? Do you think that's the way to make sure that more kids are on grade level by the third grade? Or is this just kind of a punitive measure uh, that punishes not only the students, but maybe teachers, and schools as well. As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you in. Let's go to Pamela in Sterling Heights. Pamela, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I was just calling in to, to say that was on my mind this morning was that this will be my first year going back to work and my daughter's in sixth grade and um, I have orientation this morning my husband has an interview this morning and I thought that school was actually starting tomorrow so like we had no clean clothes this morning oh really. no so I took my daughter to, to school in like slightly too small pair of pants but you know she's <laughs> fine but you know it wasn't exactly my ideal start to the year oh no I don't know that it ever is um, I think what's on my mind this year is like after school programs and you know just figuring out kind of how to juggle being back to work and, you know, making sure that she's not going to be neglected on any kind of level. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. And what does your district do to try to address that, that after school time? Are there things that, that, that you can take advantage of there? I think so. Um, my husband called it latchkey, but I, I think they call it something else now. I think it's like back or whatever i haven't really even looked into it which tells you just how unprepared i am um <laughs> so i'm not sure i mean she has a grandma i guess who's willing to take her to some things and yeah. i in the meantime you know i gotta fill out the paperwork that i also forgot to do and send back to with her this morning right. so i'm just kind of on a roll right in the wrong direction i think <laughs> but, um, there. Yeah. Well, Pamela, we hope you get it together and uh, that, that your household gets on track for the school year. I know I know that's happened to me before as well. I think it happens to some parents every once in a while that uh, you're just not ready for the school year starting. Um, but I appreciate the call uh, and the comments. Uh, let's go to Kevin in Sterling Heights. Kevin, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Hey. Um, I think holding kids back in third grade because they can't read is bad, but sending them to the fourth grade illiterate is worse. The way to deal with this is to find, try to find the kids who can't read in second grade and have them intensively trained in third grade to try to avoid failing these tests. Yeah. Try, to, try, to be, try to be preemptive. 
Yeah. Uh, Kevin, uh, great comment uh, and great insight. And I don't disagree with you that sending kids on to fourth grade and then, you know, to fifth and sixth and on uh, up the, 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 the ladder there without giving them the, the skills that they need, not just to read in school, but to be able to manage the world. That's not any kind of solution. Um, this idea, though, of early intervention, I think, is one of the is one of the dimensions that's missing here in in Michigan. Uh, Lori Higgins, talk about what we do in first and second grades to kind of identify people, kids who are behind and uh, and catch them up. So this was actually built into the law and that districts were required to have programs in place to identify struggling readers. And um, I, I don't remember exactly which grade, but the early grades, they were supposed to identify students and notify their parents and have, you know, design a program to help them. Um, so it is built into the law. Whether or not it's working remains another, that's another question that I don't know the answer to. Um, uh, but that the intention was that you wouldn't get to third grade and have to be holding back a lot of kids because all that work would have happened in kindergarten, first and second grade to ensure that those kids had some kind of sort of intervention. Yeah. Uh, Ron French, uh, one of the things that we know works with kids, young readers, is intervention by reading specialists who are in classrooms, right? If you've got a reading specialist in there, the number of kids who succeed goes up very uh, dramatically. But in a lot of school districts in Michigan, uh, there's not money to make sure that those reading specialists are there. Is that right? Yeah, the state has invested some money through this law, um, because of this law, uh, in uh, more early literacy intervention. And it sounds like a big number. Uh, um, I think Lori mentioned $80 million. I, th- I think with the, the latest budget, it may be $110 million. Um, But that's it sounds like a big number for you and me, but when you divide it up over three or four years and then you divide it up over the number of children in kindergarten through third grade, I, I just did some quick math here while I was on the phone here. Um, that's about $68 for each kindergarten through third grader per year. Mm. Okay. And what kind of help are you going to get for that? I mean, you know, so we if I, I agree completely with the caller that 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 just just uh moving kids on who aren't prepared to, for the next grade is 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 not a great solution absolutely not but if we're if we're serious about third grade reading being important then we need to invest more money well and the more money question is always the sticking point i mean uh, our first conversation today was about the budget negotiations in Lansing and Rhodes and State Senator, uh, State Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky said, "Look, people are paying too much in taxes, or at least they think they are, and they're unwilling to come up with more money." Uh, schools, of course, are are sort of victim of that same mentality in a lot of ways. I mean, there isn't money to do the things that we know we could do to make kids uh, more successful. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Let's go to Peter in Whitmore Lake. Peter, welcome to the program. Yeah, good morning. Yeah. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I I was just hoping to make a comment or at least ask a question that then I'll take the answer off air. But I was just curious, what are we in Michigan looking at as far as external sources that cause issues in? early school years, first, second, third grade, you know, we're talking about reading and what happens in schools and 
answering, if we're just thinking about the actual people behind these families that may be struggling and hmm. what kind of resources we can offer to these external sources. Thank yeah. you very much. Uh, Peter, great question. I really appreciate the call. Uh, Ron French, talk about that. Uh, you hear teachers a lot of times, uh, other educators talk about how tough it can be to to meet the needs of children who come from, from backgrounds that are really challenged. Uh, is that one of the things that they're looking at here with this third grade reading law, that it's not just what happens with instruction in the classroom, it's uh, what other things that that child uh, experiences? Well, well, you guys have hit the nail on the head there. Um, I've been speaking to a lot of third grade teachers um, for, for some reporting that we're going to be doing a bridge over the next year. And uh, I had one say, you know, I, if, if, if you really pressed me on it, I could look at which children in my classroom are, on, are, are receiving free lunch, and I can tell you which ones are going to be struggling readers. Hmm. Uh, there's that much of a correlation between poverty and uh, academic success. Obviously, there are exceptions, but you know, th- th- there's on- there's it- that's the frustrating part about this law. It assumes everyone should read at the same level um, at a certain time to be able to go on to fourth grade, without the realization that some of these kids are coming to school without breakfast. Uh, they're, 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 some of them um, are from home lives that maybe not ideal, um, and they have a lot of things going on in their life. I had I had a uh, a, a teacher in in um, a third grade teacher say, you know, uh, there's a child that that last year who slept in my class a lot of the day, but I knew that um, they needed to sleep because they weren't getting it at home because of their home life. Mm. So. Yes, there absolutely are those concerns, and the frustrating part is there's only so much we can do in the six, seven, eight hours that they're in that school building to to make up for what is going on outside of the, of the school building. Mm-hmm. Laurie? I, I think that's why you see so much um, uh, discussion about the need for uh, preschools, um, universal preschool in Michigan, uh, because so many kids from a lot of these communities are coming to school far behind already. I mean, they're starting off far behind, um, and 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 so you know, pe- there, there's a there's a there's an argument that we need to invest more in preschool. Um, the state already has been investing more, but you know, there are a lot of kids in Detroit, for instance, that are not that do not have access to a quality preschool program. Mm. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Uh, let's go to Susan in Birmingham. Susan, welcome Hi. to the today. Hi. Um, I want to talk to you about my daughter who was born uh, coke addicted, mm-hmm. and um, in Los Angeles, and we had to really struggle to get her some early intervention there. I'm just saying that nobody like handed us anything. I had to fight for it. Then they tested her out in thir- at three years old. They said you know she was normal. But then the problems really started showing up when she was five, six years old. And, um, again, I had to fight really hard to try to get in her accepted into these programs. I did get a 504, 504 accommodation for her. And then finally, after two more years, um, I was able to get her an IEP. Um, I have always worked a lot with her. She is on a free lunch program, I want to mention, because you're you know, speaker mentioned that mm-hmm. she is on free lunch, but she is up to 98 percentile in reading. Mm. She still mm. struggles really hard with math. But um, again, my point is that, you know, they don't make it easy. It's not easy for parents to get the help. 
even if the parents can identify that, you know, this child is struggling, this child needs extra help, um, they make you really fight for it. Wow. Wow. Uh, Susan, I'm really glad you called and uh, and shared that story with us here on the program. Uh, Lori and Ron, I mean, what she's saying gets to this idea of, um, well, how difficult it can be, how difficult it can be to make sure that, that schools even when they have the resources, uh, direct those resources to the kids uh, who need them. Uh, Susan's story sounds like one that, that ends well, but I would imagine that there are lots of other kids who, uh, who still struggle. Uh, Susan, I want to commend you on your interventions on that. Um, that, that that's, that's amazing parenting, and, and, and um, your, 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 your child's going to have a different life because of the type of interventions you're doing. That, that's fantastic. And, and it also points out something that, that, that uh, educators often say also. It's, it's so much of this, so much of a child's success depends not only in the quality of the teaching, but in the involvement of parents. And that's a harder nut to crack. Um, it's, it's not as if we can just, in the legislature, pass a bill and say, okay, every, from now on, every parent is going to read to their child for an hour a night. That, that doesn't work. Uh, but it's so important for parents to be involved like that. Hmm. Lori? Yeah, I would just add that I think the reality is that, you know, not every parent uh, knows what their rights are. Right. They don't know what, what kinds of resources and programs their kids are, have access to. And it's not, those are expensive programs too. So it's, it's not as if this is something that's being freely, you know, t- told to them either. Okay. Uh, Lori Higgins and Ron French, thanks for being here on the first day of school to kick off the school year. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, up next, Detroit Today producer Anna Marie Seisling just got back to Michigan from the southern border with Mexico. She's going to tell us about what she saw down there and learn about humanitarian efforts to help migrants who are coming across the border. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Thank you.